Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest from the UK. His name is Kieran Goggins, and we spoke back in 2019. We spoke twice. Uh, the first interview was a discussion about the IRA double agent steak knife, and then we discussed what the same subject we're going to discuss now, which is about the Daniel Morgan murder, and it's really been a real saga in the UK, and something just happened recently, which was the report of the Daniel Morgan independent panel dropped, and it's about 1,200 pages. It's it's a very long, detailed, I think they, they divide it into three sections, but uh, for people who want to go back and get a background on the Daniel Morgan case, you can listen to that episode from May 31st, 2019, but... Uh, this this is uh, there were all kinds of uh, very well known people involved in this, but Kieran can talk more about that. But I will just do and read the intro to this report, and Kieran can provide some commentary and analysis. And this was actually started in 2013, so this was a eight years of research, and a million pages were considered. So it was very significant. Started by Theresa May, and the formal beginning of the. Inquiry started on the 17th of September, 2013. But here's from the intro. The remit given to the panel was to shine a light on the circumstances of the murder of Daniel Morgan, its background, and the handling of the case over the period since 1987, and in so doing, to address questions arising, in particular, those relating to police involvement in Daniel Morgan's murder, the role played by police corruption in protecting those responsible for the murder from being brought to justice, and the failure to confront that corruption and the incidents of connections between private investigators, police officers, and journalists at the News of the World and other parts of the media, and alleged corruption involved in the linkages between them. So it's a pretty broad uh, case of corruption. So Kieran has read through it. His blog, again, is uh, gogzilla, G-O-G-G-Z-I-L-L-A dot WordPress dot com. So you can go and see his writing and his posts and his analysis, but he's going to talk about that now. So Kieran, are you there? Hello. Hi. Hi. Well, thanks for agreeing for the interview. It's been a while. It's been a couple of years. But uh, for people who may not know your background, can you talk, uh, bring them up to speed, and then talk about the importance of this uh, report of the Daniel Morgan Independent Panel? Well, I'd like to say more's happened in the last two years than happened in the previous 12 years. I've been on the case for uh, just over 14, just under 15 years. And... Um, there have been developments. Uh, one thing I'd like to tell the audience about is a documentary which was on Channel 4 called Murder in the Car Park. That was actually quite even-handed. It, it uh, interviewed uh, Jonathan Reese, the Vian brothers. Uh, it interviewed Alastair Morgan. It interviewed everyone. So it was reasonably even-handed. There's another documentary supposed to be coming out, which may or may not be as good. Uh, and then obviously in the last two years, we've also had in the last two weeks the uh, Morgan Report. Now, the full title is Daniel Morgan Independent Panel Report or Daniel Morgan Independent Panel Inquiry. For shorthand, I am going to call this Olone because Baroness Nula Olone was in charge of the inquiry. Right. So Baroness Olone is this interesting she, uh, DBE MRIA. So she was the chair of the panel. Olone, O-L-O-A-N. She's very interesting because we found out that she links to two of the uh, corrupt cops that were mentioned. And what were those corrupt cops? I mean, this is all in the report, correct? So we're just quoting from the report. 
Well, she named them, but the thing was, she didn't actually sort of say, I have a connection to these two guys. She simply said, these two men were involved in the Morgan inquiry. Interesting. So that's kind of a conflict of interest. I mean, this is, they have a glossary of terms, timeline of key events. Can you give an overview of what was in this before getting into specifics? Well, the Morgan panel, the first thing which I'd like to point out is Sir Stanley Burnton was the original choice for chairman. After a very short time, in fact, after a suspiciously short time, Sir Stanley Burnton was replaced by Baroness Nula Olone. Um, I've heard that he was got at. Interesting. So, yeah. so you think that she was much more friendly to the government? Do you think that that's the case? Well, she actually, if you look at the report, this is what we're coming to. She was scathing about the Metropolitan Police. She was scathing about what happened. Uh, so she's actually, in some respects, reasonably even-handed. Interesting. And so she included, and this report included, these other inquiries that had happened in the past, 2000, 2006 report, which we discussed. So they included other people's inquiries into this overarching inquiry, correct? Yeah. Now, for, for um, it's really interesting for me because I don't know, you might have some listeners that are experts on the Morgan murder, and you might have others that have just dropped in. This is the first time they've ever heard about it. So it's difficult for me to pitch. I don't want to do like a baby beginners, this is what happened. And at the other side of it, I don't want to go right the way to the other extreme and just be talking in, in, for a few experts that would actually know what the hell I'm on about. So I'm going to pitch it in the middle. Um, there were five inquiries, five murder inquiries. One, two, three, four, five. Um, the first three were shambolic, to say the least. Uh, the, the fourth and fifth one, and this is an interesting thing which we need to get to, um, had the imprimatur, they had the blessing of Detective Chief Superintendent Dave Cook, or Cook of the Yard, whatever you want to call him, who is now thoroughly disgraced. Why is he now, why is he now disgraced? Well, we found out uh, in the course of the report, I mean, if people have read the actual 1,250 pages, that uh, Cook for the fourth and fifth uh, inquiry was using was using what we call supergrasses, what you would call rats in the United States. He'd gone up to uh, some, I think there were two or three people who had mental illness problems, who were drug addicts, and he was saying to them, well, you know, we can we can help you out, you know, maybe with some drugs or something. Uh, but you've got to say that Jonathan Reese and the Vian brothers were involved in this murder. Wow, that's amazing. So that Reese was the partner of Morgan, was always a, kind of a suspect, and he had been prodded over, right, for years or decades even. So this this report revealed that they were using not only informants, but informants of questionable merit. Kind of like what happened with Julian Assange, which just came out the other day, which is the so-called informant in Iceland was also very questionable. So it's a police tactic to use these uh, these questionable people. Would you agree with that? Well, I'd agree in as much as when I was looking at this case, not only did they use these people, but there was what's supposed to be called in policing a sterile corridor. You can't have the investigator, the chief investigator and all of his uh, people going from one to another I'm going to go and see what this guy says, and I'm going to go back to you and see what you say. It has to be kept completely separate 
Cook didn't do that. Interesting. And that was what I, in my cursory overview, I did not read the entire 1,200-page document, but there was an issue in here about mental illness. There was an issue about using these questionable supergrasses, right? Yes, very much so. Uh, Can, I mean, this is the thing which I'd like to, to, um, to point out, that Jonathan Reese was from day one the, the prime suspect, and uh, Cook especially moved heaven and earth to make sure that, that the world saw Reese as the prime suspect along with the Vian brothers. Uh, there was not one, I want, I want to impress this to, to all the listeners, not one shred of evidence. There was no smoking gun. There's no one thing that you can point to. Jonathan Reese had his offices bugged, unknown to him, uh, and they couldn't find out what they, they did, what, the, what was called a trigger. They would send somebody in and say, oh, the car, car in the Morgan murder has been found. And then that person would leave the office and the police would be listening in on the bug, hoping that maybe Reese would turn around and say, oh, no, you know, we've got to do something. But they all just shrugged their shoulders. Oh, OK, you know, they found the car. So there was absolutely nothing to connect Jonathan Reese with that murder, other than if you look at the very first night, the golden hour, if you look at what was happening with an absolutely shambolic uh, detective chief superintendent, I think he, his name was uh, Campbell, Douglas Campbell. He arrived drunk on the scene, and we can talk about that briefly. He didn't set up a cordon. I mean, this is a murder inquiry. People walking around the body should have been out seven years ago. So for the last seven years, there's been nothing but the Metropolitan Police saying, we don't have these documents, we can't get these documents. There's a problem getting these documents. So they kind of dragged it, they dragged it out, right? I mean, once you, yeah. I mean, you know, I'll be coming to this later, so. Right. So, I mean, it's just really incredible. So this has dropped, I mean, it's all over the news in the UK too, right? So this is not just like people were really awaiting this report. Is that correct? Yes, it was the one day of the year where I had to, um, I had a hospital appointment. And if you ask me, and I'm getting paranoid. I think Nula Olone actually scheduled it for the one day of the year. I couldn't be there. So I had to rush around, get into a hotel room, set up everything. And I was, I was watching, I was glued to the TV because I think at about 12.31 o'clock, the news broke. Right. Yeah, no, it's incredible. So it goes back. Morgan was murdered in 1987. Axe murder, really brutal. And it was interesting in the report, too. They actually took time in a sympathetic way to talk about the impact upon his family as well, which I found uh, pretty interesting, which, you know, this whole saga and what they've gone through is really something else. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'd like to say, uh, because I've, I've had a lot of negative stuff from, let's say, Alistair Morgan and a few other people. Nobody wants to find the murderer more than Jonathan Reese and other people who were falsely accused. And when the police came along and said, well, we think it was the partner that did it or the partner that was involved. And he just clung on to that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then he just was steamrolled into this thing. He hasn't retracted anything. He still thinks that, that Reese is the murderer, to put it bluntly. But he's not actually coming forward. He's saying, oh, for legal reasons, I can't discuss this. Uh, the legal reason is he doesn't have any proof or evidence or facts. So what is the what's the overarching rationale for the I mean, the corruption of the police? I saw that you mentioned on your blog this whole issue with uh, Malta, Malta and drug deals. Does that have something to do or is that all a false trail or a red herring? Right now, this is where I'm going to uh, to, to uh, focus in. To my mind, and, you know, if you or anybody else would like to um, 
would like to, to query this, there are only two possible explanations or motives for the murder. One of them was adultery. And the Morgan family has said, oh, we're, we're very upset. We're very aggrieved that anyone should say that, uh, that there was adultery involved. Uh, it's even in the report, it's acknowledged that Morgan had several affairs, extramarital affairs, and at least one of the partners of the women that he was involved with has said, if I ever find out who it is, I'll kill him. That's one, that's one theory is adultery. The other one is Malta. Now, I'm, uh, I'm happy to name on my own blog the name of the drugs cartel who I've been told were involved. I'm not going to name them here. If anybody wants to, to tune in, I think I've already named them. I'm happy to name them again. They were on a small island called Gozo, which is just off the coast, coast of, as I say, Morgan, you probably, if you've obviously read the, the basics, Morgan took a Land Rover from Malta by car ferry up through, he, he landed in Italy, drove right the, the length of Italy, the length of France, and delivered the Land Rover. Now, I've been told by more than one source, reputable, reliable sources, that the car had a consignment of drugs in it. The car was to be delivered either to Birmingham in the Midlands or West Yorkshire. Uh, when the car reached its, its Maltese owner, the other end, they went to look inside the car and the packet, packets and packages that should have been there had gone. Now, I've been told that, that these guys were absolutely fuming. They'd lost this, this shipment. Now, whether Morgan deliberately took that out of the car, which made him obviously a target for murder, or whether somebody else did it and they just turned around and said, hey, he's the only guy that had control of the car. Malta is a key factor. Interesting. So that that is, I mean, there, yeah. So uh, Malta is this thing. And do you think that the police really did their legwork on looking at this uh, motive for his murder? No, not at all. Read the report. Literally, somebody at New Scotland Yard picked up a telephone and said to the Maltese police, hey, do you know anything about this? And they said no. And that was the end of the conversation. Wow, that's incredible. And he you wrote on your blog, New Scotland Yard Delenda Est, right? So kind of like Carthage Delenda Est. So what's the, is that, do you, is your view of New Scotland Yard, do you think that that's the impression that generally the UK public has after this report has dropped? It's an absolutely damning report. I can't, I mean, it's, it's mind boggling that, that Cressida Dick hasn't already either resigned or been forced to resign. I know her contract is not being renewed. And that says an awful lot. Um, I mean, the whole thing about New Scotland Yard and the Metropolitan Police, 50% of the Metropolitan Police are bent, they're corrupt, they're dirty. 49% acquiesce in that. They're not involved in it, but they want a quiet life, they want to get on, and they're right. now shutting their head down. The other 1% has included some people either who have re resigned or retired from the Met or are still in, who have given me a massive amount of help. I wouldn't have gone anywhere without them. And can you detail that without really exposing those people? Can you can you expand on that? Well, I can expand in as much as I'm certainly not going to name names. Uh, some people were disgruntled. Other people said, you know, I joined the police to, to, to catch the bad guys and to help the community. And they're looking around them and they're in a swamp of corruption. And do you think that corruption has really been endemic within that organization from the death of uh, Morgan to the present? Well, it predates the death of Morgan. But what I need to point out is 
some very high-ranking police were named, including, I think, five former commissioners. I don't know what the equivalent... Equivalent in America is probably chief of police. Right, chief five of police. Bosses, yeah, five bosses of police. Were, so they're named in the report in this independent I, panel? I, I believe they are. I mean, you know, um, Lord Stevens, he's now in the House of Lords. Uh, Sir Ian Blair, Lord Blair or whatever. Most of them, when they finish, they get a title. They get put into the House of Lords. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Cressida Dick. Interesting. So what are what do you think the response in the kind of police yard or New Scotland Yard? What's their view of this report and how are they responding to it? They're absolutely terrified. They're trying. If you look at the entire last 34 years um, and especially the last eight years when we've had the Morgan panel, the O'Lone inquiry or whatever, what it's boiled down to is this. And I was actually quoted by the Guardian newspaper, but they didn't have the good grace to use my name. They said a source close to the inquiry. It is not. I mean, you probably may have heard that, that about a week or two weeks before the Home Secretary actually banned the publication. She said we need to go over this for national security. Right. Pretty Patel. Is that her name? Pretty Patel. Yeah. Pretty Patel. And I said. It is not a matter of national security. It is a matter of national embarrassment. Interesting. So she, I think that she was the one, or I think the letter Baroness O'Lone wrote something to Preeti about that the intro, and that's what I read from. But uh, so the Metropolitan Police and New Scotland Yard do not like this. What do you think this, how this report will change the... Um, Impression of the Morgan murder, and also, do you think that there will be reforms after the, this dropped? Well, I'm not too concerned about the reforms because, I, in a way, this is <clears throat> sixth forensic inquiry has opened. Uh, we can come to this in a minute because, as I say, I think I've I've actually found out who did the murder, and uh, I've I've deduced an awful lot of stuff like Sherlock Holmes, and I've come to one conclusion that it was actually somebody within the Metropolitan Police who did the murder. Uh, Jonathan Reese was used as a very handy fall guy, a patsy. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's shining a light on things which the Metropolitan Police do not want shined on. Right, so they don't want any accountability and transparency, but what would be the motive of a police officer to kill Morgan, who was what? He was a private investigator at the time, right? Yeah, motive is the main thing. Now... Again, I've been looking at, at a few things. One of them is adultery. Now, from what I can gather of the guy that was actually uh, identified, he was literally a maniac. I mean, it actually says in the in, in the inquiry, a supervisor's nightmare. And that means whoever was supervising in the police thought that it, the guy was a nightmare. Um, he resigned one month after the murder. That's 10th of March, 1987. So... He resigned April 87. Interesting. So um, so you could see why they would want to cover it up or have a different possible suspect because it would make them look back at bad. It would be a disaster for public public relations disaster, right? So yeah. Yeah. they, I didn't read the report, but they had kind of recommendations, right? Didn't uh, they write uh, recommendations for change or try to make sure something like this didn't happen again? There are pages of recommendations, but I'm not in the Metropolitan Police, so therefore, 
to a great extent, it doesn't it doesn't concern me. An awful lot of it was common sense stuff. You know, they they had right. stuff about uh, the questioning of Jonathan Rees. They had stuff about um, obviously that the crime scene not being called off properly. There was stuff about, um, for instance, if if anything similar happens in future, they want to have a set of uh, a set of um, parameters put in place whereby we can set up, we can look at this, this, and this. They uh, Apparently there were about 10 different databases or something. People weren't talking to each other. People were talking to other people. So you're not getting, a, you know, the other thing about Morgan looking at this particular murder, uh, the adultery part was never looked into and the Malta part was never really looked into. They were literally from day one obsessed with Jonathan Reese and those around him. Right, the Vion brothers. And they said, I mean, there's actually a chapter in the report about documentation, access to these systems, because they didn't really have access in the report, I guess, to those during those, right? So they didn't, I think they even said the Home Office was not supportive of their inquiry. Is that correct? Yeah, well, this is what was happening. Uh, and this is why Cressida Dick is in the frame. She was like a, a police constable at the, 34 years ago, she was very, you know, the, the, the rank you joined, right at the bottom. She worked her way up. We can't blame her for what was happening 30, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. We can certainly blame her for what was happening within the last eight years because she has deliberately delayed everything in that report. She did everything possible to drag her heels. Right, and they, it was supposed to originally be done within 12 months, right? Wasn't That's it supposed right. to? Yeah, yeah, so it took eight years. I mean, this is it's, that even in itself is kind of... Uh, incompetence and corruption not even dealing with the morgan case but just dragging your heels so what uh, what else can we learn from this report well uh, there's lots of things that we can learn from it or one thing i'd like to point out is that one of the vian brothers actually died of terminal cancer whilst this was going on i mean they you know um morgan's mum died during the report it went on for so long uh, it's 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 borderline obscene what happened so it's kind of like they were torturing them. And so these people went to their death, went to their graves without any any uh, certainty, any conclusions that were made, right? The thing that annoys me, and I, I want to return to Glenn Vian specifically, he was, uh, when I mentioned that report about two years ago, a documentary came out a year and a half ago, whatever, and he was interviewed. He was literally on his deathbed. The thing was um, broadcast one day, 24 hours before he died. Now, if Glenn Vian was the murderer, which is this theory that Peter Jukes and a few others have propagated, all he had to do was to write, a, uh, not even a deathbed confession, just write a letter to be opened after he died. Right. And all he had to say was, yeah, I did it. Uh, he never did that. He, ne he went to his death uh, proclaiming his innocence. So I'm, I'm scratching my head at why a man who was supposed to be the murderer, why didn't he just turn? He had nothing to lose. Just, yeah, you know, he... Right. he it's, I, I think he's completely vindicated, but there we are. Right, so, so it's just an incredible saga. So what what do you think are be the consequences for some of these people? So Cressida Dick, she's not resigning, I guess. Do you think people are going to have her resign? It's very difficult because Britain is not America. You've got things like a constitution, the First Amendment, you're a, a working democracy. Uh, we don't have any of that stuff. We've just got uh, Cressida Dick and a few other idiots. But the one thing I'm looking at, the, the names that were in there, one name shines out, and it's Detective Chief Superintendent Dave Cook, who's now calling himself David Imrie Cook. He's changed his name. 
Um, he, ha- I, I, I actually said this at the last, at the end of the last podcast that we did. He said that if he was ever put in the dock, he would be far from alone. Unquote. Interesting. I mean, so, in order, yeah, in order well, for him to get a reduced sentence, he has to sin. So, do you? Yeah, sorry. Well, I'm just saying. Do you think that there's any over? I mean, that these this this panel doesn't have any teeth, right? They just reported on the stuff. So, where where the what's going to be the oversight for these groups that punish them for either corruption, incompetence, willful corruption, or whatever? I mean, obstruction of justice. What these charges would that ever happen, or what? With Cook, what I've heard is, um, yeah, I can say this to you now. I've heard that there's now enough evidence for, for a criminal prosecution to be brought. Uh, there was to be a private prosecution brought against him because the uh, Crown Prosecution Service would be, I suppose, the equivalent of the DA in America. I don't know. They refused. They said it's not in the public interest, but it is in the public interest to ensure that Cook is brought to trial. I would say it's very much in the public interest to have some type of punishment or some type of a response for this long-term incompetence, corruption, tra- lack of transparency. I mean, the U.S. we've cut, we've had so many laws to en- enhance transparency and accountability for these things, but it's odd that this this problem may not happen in the Morgan case, right? Well, that's correct. I mean, it's. Uh... I don't want to start swearing on air, so I'll just, yeah, gloss over that. Right. So, I mean, you've been, you said you've been with this for 15, 16 years, so you know this much more in detail. And you said that there is a documentary where people can watch. I mean, how, I mean, I guess this is really the final bookend to the Morgan saga, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've taken it as far as I can. I think I've identified the murderer. And and that's it. You know, I mean, if anybody in future ever wants to contact me and say, what do you think of this? I'm very happy to 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 oblige and to and to engage with them. But uh, I'm not just going to keep banging on. It's like banging on a drum. Uh, you know, I finished. That's it. It's the end of the road. Right. So it's the end of the road for the investigators. This is kind of going to be the end. And there's probably no accountability in that. Would you think they'll just uh, sweep this under the rug and move on? It's difficult to say there was a huge backlash, but how long does a huge backlash last? If you look at what happened in Tunisia with a, a man named Bouazizi, who was just this ordinary little street uh, vendor, very ordinary man, and the, the police were corrupt, they wouldn't renew his license, and he burned himself to death in front of the police station. Now, these kind of things happen all over the Arab world, but that one time it led to a revolution in Tunisia and then across the Arab world. It's right. called the Buazizi, the Buazizi moment. We need a Buazizi moment. So what would you like to see happen? I'd like to see pretty much all the people that were involved in, in, in covering up things and in blaming the wrong people strung up uh, by, their, by their heels or whatever. But uh, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see now what happens in terms of the high-ranking police and some of the lower-ranking ones who were deliberately... Um, bent corrupt dirty right do you is there going to be any type of remedy for the morgan family because here in the states if there's abuse by police uh, you know police stations or police officers usually a significant payout but uh do you foresee anything like that any type of remedy i am told that they are suing the police for half a million pound and i wish them all the best luck in the world and if i can help them in any way i would certainly do so uh they deserve every every cent 
of any money coming to them. Uh, we had a case by a guy called Harvey Procter, you may have heard of. Carl Beach, Operation Midland, uh, a huge thing whereby a, a complete fantasist just kept naming famous people. Um, and Procter was one of them. Uh, he was a former MP, and he, sue, he is suing the Metropolitan Police for £1 million. It's a record suing uh, action. It's very rare over here because it's almost impossible to prosecute the police. Interesting. Because here, it's not usually they just pay out. They don't even go to trial if there's something wrongdoing. Oftentimes, they just sweep it under the rug, pay them ten, twenty million dollars, bam, and move on. So it seems like the system there, uh, it's not as, I would say, egalitarian might be a good word for the, so the people without power don't have act, a remedy towards power. It is far from egalitarian. And I remember a quote many years ago from my old yoga teacher, and he said, the rich and powerful are very bad losers. Right. So, I, would, I mean, here's the thing. Is, like, I, is this going to actually change the procedures or practices of the police, or is this just going to be another, you know, another inquiry that goes nowhere? I mean, or has no, it doesn't facilitate change or uh, pro progress, right? It just seems very British strange. The are absolutely loath to change anything. But, um, I mean, it falls into two, you know, you can guess. It's like two, it's like flipping a coin. Either there will be change or there won't. So I don't know whether there will be enough impetus to, to change things or whether the police, which is this gigantic, monolithic, unanswerable, unaccountable, corrupt, proven to be corrupt organization, whether they will just sort of shrug their shoulders and say, yeah, well, whatever. Right. So, so what? Anything else before we wrap up that you'd like to add? I mean, your blog is Gogzilla G O G G Z I L L A at dot wordpress dot com. How can people reach you? Is there a contact thing in that blog, or do you have an email? Yes. If anybody leaves a message on there, they're all um, you know. There's, there's a, a contact page or whatever you call it. Uh, my details are uh, on online or whatever. It's fairly easy to catch hold of me. Uh, but certainly, if anyone wants to go to the blog, read it. If they've got any questions or any points, they can just send a message and it will be uh, all messages are screened because I received several death threats from an IP address, which was linked to Norfolk Police. Mm. Uh, so uh, I kept one or two of them on there for legal reasons. The rest just got wiped. Um, so if people do, uh, I always check it. If there's a if there's a comment, there's a little tick that comes up in the corner and I can always check it. So. Everyone's welcome, welcome to do that. Yeah, they can follow up with you or talk about this. I mean, it's such a long ink of report, 1,200 pages. They took their time, meticulous, all kinds of graphs and, and details. You can really see they wrote a, an incredible nonfiction piece of work here with so much information. It's really incredible. Yeah. I mean, in the public expense. I mean, that's really kind of the disturbing element is you have this panel, this inquiry that lasts long, but... There's just recommendations. There's no no teeth to it that facilitate change or transparency or, or minimize corruption. So it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. I don't know what we can do about that. That's far more of a British problem than anything else. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add or anything I missed so people can reach out to you? It's, it's Kieran Goggins. It's C-I-A-R-A-N-G-O-G-G-I-N-S, correct? Yes, that's correct, yeah. Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, I think I think we, we've done okay. I mean, I could talk for hours, but <clears throat> I don't know how uh, how riveted your your audience would be. 
Well, it is. I mean, I think that there's just a lot here. It's also, like you said, it's also an insight into the British system, like how things get addressed. I mean, they do have stuff like that here. We've had some interesting inquiries as well, but uh, usually they, they facilitate change, at least in some, at least like inquiries into the whole Russian fiasco and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, this is, uh, it's incredible to think that they spent $140 million on it. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's million pounds. Obscene. The politest phrase I can use is, is borderline obscene what happened. It's obscene. All right, Kieran Goggins, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you very much indeed, and uh, goodbye. Thank you. All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye-bye.